Rotary. Nothing personal. Word of the day. It's Monday. Hope you, everyone had a good weekend. Well, not everybody had a good weekend. I don't think it's possible for everyone to have a good weekend. Anytime, any day, any age. But in Seattle, they've got a serious issue with their team president in something that is really meant for nothing personal. Kevin Mather is the president of the Mariners. He started off as the CFO, worked for the Twins way back when. I've known him my entire 18-year career in baseball. And the Mariners and I had our issues. There's no doubt about that. After my comments about Ichiro and the contract they signed Ichiro to, and I had a few things to say, and their GM at the time, whose name I think was Bill Bavese, had some not nice things to say about me. I know that uh, Kevin Mather and I have disagreed on many things over the years, but we've also been cordial enough. When you are a team president, you've got many responsibilities. There are public-facing presidents, and there are those who don't talk much publicly. You don't have a lot of experience or practice speaking publicly, and there are those who do. And it really doesn't matter whether you've been media trained. It doesn't matter what experience you have when you're in front of the media. What matters is as president of a baseball team, a major league baseball team, especially today, but every day, you have got to choose your words carefully. I never once made a headline that I didn't want to make. I never once said anything that I didn't want to read on the front page of the paper because I assumed whenever I was talking, I was on the record because that is the first rule in media when you are a team executive or a player. The first rule we tell the guys and every one of our employees, you are on the record every time you open your mouth. We would tell our employees this, no matter what level. Actually, there was an employee who wore a Red Sox jersey to a Marlins Red Sox game. How would you feel about that, Coca? That employee was not long for the Marlins. When I was at Morgan Stanley, can you imagine walking by, having your boss walk by your desk and you're wearing a Goldman Sachs t-shirt or you work for Coke and you have a Pepsi on your desk? That's how I felt about a Marlins employee wearing a Red Sox jersey to a Marlins game. Everything you say and do is being watched and noticed and is on the record. When you're a team president, you've got to give speeches. I would give scores of speeches a year. You're trying to sell tickets. You're trying to ingratiate yourself and your team into your community. You're trying to get corporate sponsors. You're traveling around your market, seeing all kinds of people in all kinds of places. I had to be more vanilla than I've ever had to be as team president, and it didn't work every time. I had many a moment where what I said caused problems, but never caused my termination, not because the owner was my family. That's not why. Do you know that if I had done anything, and I've told you this, if I ever did anything that I thought would stop the Marlins from increasing in value or stop the Marlins from winning a game on a particular day, I wouldn't need to be fired. I'd resign because I knew at the end of the day what my job was, very simply. 
my job was to lose as little money as possible year over year and to have the team worth more next year than it is this year. And if possible, lead a team that can win as many games as possible. That's your job as team president. So Kevin Mather is the president of the Mariners and he gave a speech on February 5th to the Rotary Club. Let me explain to you what a Rotary Club is. It's a bunch of people who may buy season tickets or a group night. Okay, we've gotten that out of the way. Second, the speech was not in person, it was on Zoom, the way things happen during the pandemic. As you know, when you are on Zoom, as you know when you're giving a speech, as you know when you're on social media, as you know when you're walking through your own ballpark, people are taping you, people are watching you, people are waiting. That's what we do. We wait for people to make a mistake and the people who survive are the people not who are not controversial, but who are controversial in areas where there can actually be controversy. People on the right side of the political spectrum talk about cancel culture. They talk about it as though this is a new thing today. I like that, cancel culture. It's always existed. There are certain things you cannot do and cannot say, even if you think them. So I want to tell you that in 2012, the Marlins were opening a ballpark. And I tell you everything on Nothing Personal. Everything is available. I'm an open book to you. Much different than I was as president of the Marlins, where I had a job to do. Now my job is to communicate to you and have you communicate with me. And I love it. Couldn't be happier or more honored. In 2012, I gave a speech to a chamber of commerce, I think, or a business forum or a rotary club. I can't remember what it was. And my comments became front page news. At the time, we had we were opening Marlins Park, which was a very controversial deal. It was a ballpark where we secured financing for about 70% of the park in a public-private partnership where Jeffrey Loria put in 30% of the money. It was a good deal for the Marlins and a good deal for the community in my mind, not paid for, and I'm not defending it right now. That would take 10 shows and I'm over it. But it was financed with tourist tax dollars and money that by definition had to go to a ballpark or a convention center, could not go to teachers, could not go to police, could not go to firemen, could not go to solve budget crises. I always said, if you want to change that, go to the legislature in Tallahassee and change it. But don't blame me for playing within the rules. It's like me blaming the Yankees for acting the way they do and having the payroll they do, but they're not breaking any rules. So how can I blame them? So I met this group, I gave a speech, and what I said was negotiating against the county and the city, it was not as difficult as people are giving me credit. The community wanted a team. And the community was clear, and the mayor was clear, and was elected on a platform of wanting a team. And I said something to the effect of, you know, we are the smartest people in the room. And what I was referring to is that people in business are generally more able to do business than people in politics. People in politics are way better at being political than the people in business. 
the best politicians understand business. The best business people understand politics. But I had criticized because the thought was that I was being intellectually snobby toward politicians and toward the people of Miami, much like what happened at the Levitard show years later. When you are in public and when you are a known voice and face and you're going to be as close to the third rail as I live and have always lived, there can be an issue. But there's certain things that I'll never say because I don't think them. And my commitment to you on nothing personal is whatever I think I'm going to say because I know deep down my core values, my core philosophies, and I know the difference between right and wrong, and I know what I did was right. Why is Kevin Mather in so much trouble? People are writing articles. People are going crazy. Coca sent it to me last night, yesterday afternoon, and said, this is the lead tomorrow. And I said, I've done, I'm working on the show. That's not my lead. I don't even think it'll make the show. Coca said, just you wait. Just you wait. Of course, it's the lead of the show. Of course, Coca knows what he's doing. And I'm a talking head. That's it. I'm David Byrne. Thank you, Coca. So he meets the... Rotary Club on February 5th, by the way. He talks about the following topics. Fascinating. Number one, he's got a top prospect we acquired from the Mets for Edwin Diaz. Gave Robinson Cano to the Mets and got back Jared Kelnick. I have, I, can't, I never, I don't know how to spell his name. I just know he shouldn't have been traded because he's a top prospect and now one of the top prospects in baseball. Kevin Mather, in a moment of honesty that I completely appreciate, said he's not going to be up until April. Late April. The reason why he's not going to be up, he said he needs a few at-bats at AAA Tacoma. That's called service time manipulation because he's ready to be in the big leagues right now. Service time manipulation has been covered on this show. We all do it. We all did it. He acknowledged it. I've acknowledged it. If you want to fix it, fix it in the collective bargaining agreement, period. No problem there, Kevin. You're doing fine. COVID-19 was tough, but we were smart. We didn't lose nearly as much money as some other teams. We're in a great position. I wouldn't have said it because it would raise the expectations for a team that hasn't made the playoffs in a record in the longest of MLB. It's like 20 years, 21 years. When the Marlins made the playoffs, the Mariners now have the longest streak in all of baseball, although they had the longest streak also. The, the Marlins were longest in the NL, Mariners were longest in AL. Don't say you've got more money available because you don't have a good team. And you're not going to have a winning season or make the playoffs. But again, we're not near the rail. The Rotary Club speech continues. He then talks about something even more unbelievable. The Seattle Mariners have an employee named Ichiro. Ichiro's an assistant. Ichiro is the single most famous Mariner, along with Felix Hernandez, in the history of the franchise. Now, you could say it's Ken Griffey. You could say it's Randy Johnson. You could say it's Alex Rodriguez. I'm going Felix Hernandez and Ichiro. Hard stop. Are we good? Probably not. 
because that's when they were successful. You're going to say with Griffey and Johnson and A-Rod and everybody else, but Ichiro and Felix. Ichiro comes to Seattle from Japan, and he has an interpreter. His name is Alan. He worked with us in Miami. I'm in touch with Alan to this day. Ichiro does speak English, but Ichiro wants to make sure that when he talks, he has understood the new and the nuance of what he says is not lost on the media or the fans. And to speak in nuance, you have to have a command of a language that even some people who English is their only language don't have. Don't begrudge Ichiro that. Don't begrudge anybody that. The union in baseball recently negotiated that a Spanish-speaking translator, an English-Spanish-speaking translator, has to be on staff full-time in order to provide translation for all of the Spanish-speaking players on a team. It is not uncommon to have one, two, even three interpreters in your traveling party, depending on the makeup of your team. 75000 dollars Let's just say that that is the amount that an interpreter would make. When we were negotiating to sign Ichiro as a free agent, we knew whatever we paid Ichiro, we had to hire an interpreter. You negotiate, you negotiate, but at the end of the day, you know you want Ichiro, you want any Japanese player, any Japanese player, you are going to be employing an interpreter. Kevin Mather is bringing in a longtime Seattle Mariners player, former player, to be a special assistant, to be a scout, to be a translator, and told the story about his hiring, Iwakuma is his name, and said, we were not going to hire him an interpreter. I was tired of paying an interpreter $75,000. And you know what? When we told him that, all of a sudden his English got a lot better. Uh-oh. That's a problem. Let's see what else Kevin said. Did he double down? He started talking about Julio Rodriguez, their number one prospect. A kid from the Dominican. Instead of talking about him as a player, him as a man, young man, his future, his prospects, one of the first things he said is, and you know what? He's got a bigger personality than any of you here, but his English is terrible. Strike two. Kevin Mather gave a speech on February 5th where he basically insulted anyone who didn't speak English. People are going to say, you're overreacting, David. This is part of your cancel culture. This is you being political. No, it's not. This is me telling you that if you have a president of a team who doesn't understand certain things that can and cannot be said, he cannot be the president of your team, period. The fallout has been swift because Kevin Mather, this is not his first issue. Kevin Mather in 2018 was investigated and accused for inappropriate workplace behavior, sexual harassment, He was not let go. It was his own executive assistant, by the way, which is, it shouldn't be anybody, period. We know that. My executive assistant has been with me since 2002. People are who they are. It wouldn't even occur to me 
to be that way. God, I've been accused of a lot of things in my life. Smug, annoying, talkative, short, privileged, entitled. It's one thing that has never been said. Not racist, not prejudice. Don't engage in harassment. Try to do what's right, even when I know I've got a job to do. So Kevin had that strike against him. And here we are with another issue. And the Mariners have a problem. And the reason the Mariners have a problem is that the avalanche has commenced, folks. National writers are calling for his resignation and termination. Local writers are calling for his resignation or termination. The fan base is calling for his resignation or termination. The owner of the team is a guy named John Stanton. Used to be, he's pretty new. Loyal to Kevin Mather. What do you do if you're John Stanton? Is this it? Is it finally the time? Is it three strikes and he's out? John Stanton called Kevin Mather and told him he's got to put out a statement. John Stanton, unfortunately, does not download and subscribe to Nothing Personal. Kevin Mather, unfortunately, does not listen to enough Nothing Personals because his apology was written by a PR firm and it's not nearly good enough. I want to apologize to every member of the Seattle Mariners organization, especially our players and to our fans. Nope. How many times, folks? Say it with me. I want to apologize to the people who I have offended. You start with them, and then you apologize to all others. Especially the players and fans. Apologize specifically to the people who you sexually harassed. Apologize specifically to the people who you offended. There is no excuse for my behavior. He continued, and I take full responsibility for my terrible lapse in judgment. Is it a lapse in judgment? Maya Angelou has a great quote about this, Coca, and I just thought of it right now. Oh, God, I'm so sorry that we didn't prepare this. Maya Angelou said that people are who they are, and they say what they say, and then they apologize, but you should pay attention to what they said in the beginning because that is more of a reflection of who they are. I am not quoting her directly. That is my recollection of the Maya Angelou quote. And Coke, I'm not asking you to go find. My comments were my own. I love that. People on Twitter say that. My comments are my own. Coke, are you reading me the quote? When someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. Is that Maya Angelou? That's interesting if I somehow, uh, that is. Okay, I was close, Coca. When someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. That's my view of apologies, by the way. But we got to continue because it just gets better. My comments were my own. That's like on Twitter when people say when they work for a company, my tweets are my own. Of course your tweets are your own. And by the way, of course I'm not representing my company. Do you think that CBS calls me and says, hey, hey, Samson, hey, could you tweet out that we're going to cancel Kevin Can Wait in 2018 because the ratings suck? Can you do that? No. My tweets are my own, obviously. My comments are my own. Then the statement that the PR firm makes every employee do. My comments were my own. They do not reflect the views and strategy of the Marlins baseball leadership who are responsible for decisions about the development and status of the players at all levels of the organization. Holy crap. He's apologizing for talking about service time manipulation. 
that's what he thinks Rob Manford needs him to apologize for? You think that's what the owner, John Stanton, needs him to apologize for? Is comments about the fact that they're holding down players and the reality that there's a collective bargaining agreement that is about to be negotiated? Does he think for one second that every single player and every single owner and every single fan doesn't know their service time manipulation? Is it possible that the PR firm and John Stanton could be so out of it and out of touch that they think that's what he should be apologizing for? Third paragraph. I've been on the phone most of the day today apologizing to the many people I have insulted, hurt, or disappointed in speaking at a recent online event. A, it's not relevant that it was online. B, when you say I've been on the phone most of the day apologizing, what you're saying really is, God, what a pain in the ass today has been. I had no idea. I had plans. I did this February 5th, and all of a sudden it gets leaked today on a random February 21st. I was hanging out with the family, doing something, golfing, whatever I was doing. And then I had to immediately change my plans and start picking up the phone. I had to make a list. I had to call my PR guy. I had to call my owner. Who do I start with? And then the finale of the statement. I am committed to make amends for the things I said that were personally hurtful. And I will do whatever it takes to repair the damage I've caused to the Seattle Mariners organization End of statement. I'm not going to resign. By the way, when he resigns, it'll be because he was terminated. I'm committed to make amends. I wonder if all the women in the Seattle Mariners organization feel that way. I wonder if all the people who he offended in terms of language. Do you know how hard it is? You know what's bothering me a little bit, Coco, about this? Julio Rodriguez is a top prospect. He's a kid. We are responsible as team presidents and GMs and owners. We don't give a rat's ass about these players when they're 40, and I've talked about it, and it makes me crazy. It is a huge regret of mine over 18 years. We bring these kids from the Dominican, and we throw them into a professional life as professional athletes, and we say, hey, you've got wings, fly. We're going to give you English lessons. Good luck. We're going to give you help paying bills, maybe teach you how to get utilities. Oh, God, it's so horrible to think about what we do. They're kids. Do you know what Julio Rodriguez did other than moving to the United States to become a baseball player and learning English by himself and how proud he is to have the, the capabilities that he has to do interviews in English right now? I told you as a law school graduate. And as someone who did business in France, the first interview I ever did as a team executive vice president of Montreal was in French in my ear, and I was shaking nervous. And I had been media trained. We bring over these kids and we make them meet the media. We make them talk to the media and the media is waiting to catch them. Make a story. <sighs> I think the damage that has been done, in my opinion, is too big right now. I think they held on to Kevin Mather as long as they could after what happened in 2018. I think that everyone knows that we all have these jobs until we make a mistake that will cost us our job. Some of us are better at avoiding mistakes than others. And it helps if you don't have that view in the first place that will cause you to be immediately terminated. Wait to see, folks. Kevin Mather will not survive this. He can't. 
He will be terminated slash resign before the start of the season. The avalanche is going to be too great. And it's going to be painful for John Stanton to do. But he's going to realize when he speaks to his corporate sponsors, when he speaks to his fan base, when he speaks to the commissioner, when he speaks to his players and manager and general manager, he will realize he will have no other choice because none of us, not one of us is indispensable. Wait to see. You know, we sign these players. We want them to be good. We want them to perform. We want to win. We want rings. We sign players who we hope we're getting a bargain. We hope we're not overpaying too much. We hope winning the offseason translates to winning the season. We hope, we hope, we hope. When the Dodgers signed Trevor Bauer, they did it because they had to answer to the Padres offseason. They did it because they wanted to be the first team to repeat since the 1998-2000 Yankees. They did it because they wanted to be a juggernaut on Major League Baseball and the other 29 teams. I get it. I get it. If you've got the money, you know the expression, if you got them, smoke them. But you also got to be careful who you get into bed with. Because it turns out that you can vet people all you want, wink, wink. No one's doing real vetting. We pretend that we vet. Everyone pretends they vet. The Mets are now going to vet everybody very carefully to avoid Mickey Calloway and Jared Porter. Okay. So Trevor Bauer's the Dodger. It took a week for his Twitter and his social media presence to become another issue. That's it. It's been like a week. He got into a Twitter fight this weekend with Noah Syndergaard. Noah Syndergaard is an interesting follow on Twitter. Noah Syndergaard got a little criticism for doing a bullpen with no shirt on on Twitter or Instagram. By the way, great body. And... uh Look good coming out of his hand, coming off Tommy John. But of course, bullpens don't mean a thing. But side note, Coca, if I read one more thing about how good a pitcher looks during a bullpen or a special workout, I'm going to lose my mind. I look good throwing a bullpen. Anyway, so Syndergaard is a good follow. He has some clever things to say on Twitter. Bauer's gotten himself into trouble. And Bauer and Syndergaard went back and forth. They got into a Twitter war this weekend. Bauer was posting all the exchanges on Instagram between Bauer and Syndergaard. Trevor Bauer tweeted at Syndergaard. Syndergaard responded. And it was not altogether a positive exchange by any stretch. And I just wanted to mention this because I want to tell you from a front office standpoint, at what point do we have to get involved? At what point does Steve Cohn or Sandy Alderson or Andrew Friedman or Stan Kasten, who's the president of the Dodgers, at what point do they call him Bauer and say, listen, I want you to be you. You be you. We signed you, Trevor, the whole package. But could you do us a favor? Before you press tweet, can you just read it again? Give me a 30-second second read to make sure. I don't want you to provide bulletin board material for any team or any player. We've got a big enough problem doing what hasn't been done in two decades. You've got a big enough problem being the highest paid player this year in the history of baseball at $40 million. We met you more than halfway. We gave you this money. I'm not trying to muzzle you. I'm not trying to edit you. I am merely asking you, is there any chance that you can give me the 30-second rule? 
To which Trevor Bauer will respond, you got it. You got it. No problem. I'll do it. And then the player walks back and says, nah, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be true to me. Because Trevor Bauer has decided to fall on the social media sword on the relationship with his teammates, other players, as well as owners, management, and the commissioner's office. He's decided he is going to live with truth. He's going to spread the gospel. He's going to teach you what it's about. And imagine coming from me this topic when that's what nothing personal is. Nothing personal is meant to give you every side of an issue and let you make your own choice. It's meant to give you insight as someone who ran a team for 18 years about what really happens. The governor is off. I'm able to say anything I want. And Coca still gets nervous. CBS still gets nervous. Not about being racist or sexist or misogynistic. Not about that. You don't have to worry about that because... I'm not that. You do have to worry about me going too deep, telling you too many stories, but I'm not active anymore. Trevor Bauer is an active player. Noah Syndergaard is an active player. The Mets and the Dodgers need to understand that they've got a goal on the field and this type of off-field antics does not help the process or the wins and the losses. What is the name of it, Coca? It's not the process on the, the product, the product on the field. It is a distraction. Players have enough distractions right now over the course of 162 games. One thing we always said to our players, and I've had this conversation with many players over the years, do not give any other player a reason to be Michael Jordan. Do not give, and I don't believe in bulletin board material. You know that. I do not believe in it. What Syndergaard and Bauer did is not bulletin board material. It's not. The teammates, Syndergaard's teammates don't care. Bauer's teammates don't care. Just win for me once every five days. That's your job. That's it. Do whatever you want. Win for me once every five days. He wants to pitch every four days. Bauer does, but it's going to be once every five days. What's the distraction? The distraction comes from people like me and other people in the media who are in that clubhouse every single day who are having players put on Zoom and the questions that will come. Noah Syndergaard should be focusing on his rehab. Trevor Bauer should be focusing on learning the Dodgers, their way, their system, the catchers, getting ready for a season. These type of distractions hurt a team. That's when I get involved as a front office. I'm not trying to mute anybody. I'm not trying to violate anyone's First Amendment rights. I'm trying to put players in the best position possible to win a game. To me, Bauer's off to a bad start. All right, when we come back, we're going to review a movie that just came out on Hulu on February 19th, and I watched it. It's called Nomadland. We're going to review it, and we will definitely get to the pick of the day and the other thing we're going to talk about, there was a coaching change that gave me memories of things that I had done over the years in Miami. Coaching change happened in Minnesota. We will be right back. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Sampson. Thank you for making it through the gauntlet of commercials. More so, thank you for downloading, subscribing, and continuing to make Nothing Personal a must-listener, must-watch on YouTube. Nothing Personal with David Sampson, but a must-download, a must-subscribe, and telling your friends about it. It's working. And we're going to keep going. Yes, we are. I watch a movie every day, and I review a movie or a TV show every day. Golden Globes are coming up Sunday the 28th. Some of the movies are coming out now that I had not been able to see. Nomadland is one of them. Nomadland stars Francis McDormand. Nomadland is a movie that I had no idea what it was about. Didn't watch the trailer, didn't read the reviews. Just know that it was nominated, best director, screenplay, actress, among others. I start watching the movie and for an hour and 47 minutes, I didn't check my phone one time. I didn't look at the clock one time. The movie is about a woman who works in a town called Empire, Nevada that disappeared. Not like the Blair Witch Project, not like a ghost town. Do you know why it's called a ghost town? Because all of a sudden, it's a company town without a company and all that's left are ghosts. There was a mining company of some sort or some sort of company in Empire, Nevada that disappeared. True story in 2011. And the whole town after a few months was gone because the whole town was only there because of the business. Companies who own the business, they basically make a town. They build houses, let people live in the houses. And when the company's gone, people have a few months and then they've got to get out of their house. Frances McDormand chose to move into her van, maybe because she didn't have a choice or maybe because it's what she wanted in the first place. And the rest of the movie goes into her decision and the ramifications of the decision and the people she meets along the way as a nomad. There are people who have made that choice out of necessity or out of desire. And the people in this movie, other than Frances McDormand, David Strather in a nomad she meets along the way, the guy from Sneakers, and his son, who plays his son, everybody else was not an actor. Everybody else was who they were on screen. People who live nomadic existences from one seasonal job to the other. By the way, if you don't know what goes on inside an Amazon warehouse, you will. By the way, if you don't know how someone could live in a van, you will. I couldn't help but think of Chris Farley. Lives in a van by the side of the river. I used to think of it as a joke. 
and now I watch Nomadland. I'm out of touch. I'm privileged. There's no question about any of that. The movie is beautifully shot. The movie and the music is, uh, I want to say heroin, but I think that's the wrong use of the word coca. It is, it is, uh, the music is such that puts you in a frame of mind that you realize you're watching something with gravitas, something important. Please watch Nomadland. And if you were bored by it, watch it again. Okay. Pick of the day. Who remembers our Friday pick? Anybody? I do. It was... I was going to say it's Nomadland because I got distracted because I just did something I shouldn't do. If you're not watching this, you don't know what I did. But I had like a triple vibration on the phone. So I wanted to see why I was being vibrated. But we're good. Nothing personal, nothing personal pick of the day. We're now 22 and 18. I told you the Celtics were only favored by four and a half on Friday night. And I thought they should be favored by six and a half. They ended up winning by more than six and a half. Celtics beat the Hawks. We're 22 and 18. Interesting game tonight. The Mavs, I think, have won four in a row or four to five. They're only favored by five points over the Vancouver Grizzlies, who are not the Vancouver Grizzlies anymore. They play in another city, the Memphis Grizzlies. Thank you, Coca. I have no idea why that was in my head. Were they ever the Vancouver Grizzlies? I'm thinking about Vancouver right now in Canada. I'm thinking of Avenue Q. I don't know why I'm thinking of that stuff. My brain. It's a Monday morning. Monday morning. All right, Mavs minus five over the Grizz. I don't understand. Luka Doncic. He's the MVP for me, I think. Mavs minus five. I studied the game. It's going to be a winner. We're four games over. I'd like to get to five games over. Okay. So how did everyone spend their weekend? I do a lot of things during the course of a weekend, whether it's running or whether it's reading or whether it's watching movies. I spent a lot of time this weekend on a new app on my phone, and it's called Clubhouse. Clubhouse is a room basically for audio discussion. There's no video. It's like a clubhouse, like a major league clubhouse. That's why I was attracted to the app because I was like, wow, this is what goes on in a major league clubhouse. And it's amazing because it's sort of open to the public, but you have to be invited. And there's moderators. Basically, you have discussions about topics. You invite people from the audience to ask questions or participate. I never heard of it. I joined it. And it's going to be big. Coke and I spoke this weekend for a while. And we decided that we are going to start a clubhouse room, a nothing personal clubhouse room, where we're going to talk to you. I interact with you on Twitter, through DMs, on Instagram. We interact through questions that you leave on Apple, right when you rate and review, and I do a mailbag bonus episode. This is immediate feedback where people can get into a room and listen to things I'm talking about that may not be sports related. Let's say that people have DM'd me and said, hey, I want to make a budget. How do I make a budget? I'm spending too much money. People say, how do I interview for a job? What are you looking for when you're hiring? Clubhouse is where we can have conversations like this. I can talk about these subjects and you can participate. I think we have to do about 10 things before we have a room, Coca. I think. Not exactly sure what we have to do. But it's going to be big. We are going to do this. We can talk sports, politics, entertainment, business, everything we do now. We're going to build this from nothing the way we built nothing personal. We had one download the first episode. And now look at us. 
300 and what number are we? 315 episodes later. The middle of February, 2021. I think that Clubhouse is going to be big and I want access to you all and I want to give you more access to me in areas where you can use my experience to better yourselves in areas where I can learn from you as well. I love that interaction. We're going to go for it. I think we can do it, Coca. I really do. Okay. Do you know how when you run a team and you have to hire a manager and you go through the interview process and you pretend that you didn't know who you were going to hire, even though you did know who you were going to hire? And then you do all the interviews and then you hire the person who you knew you were going to hire and you call the people you didn't hire, but who interviewed and said, good job. You did great. Good luck next time. You know, that process that I've done a gazillion times. And you know that I told you sometimes that process was so farcical that we didn't even do it. When we fired Joe Girardi, the current manager of the Philadelphia Phillies in 2006, we introduced Freddie Gonzalez immediately. How are we able to do that? because we knew we were hiring Freddie Gonzalez. How are we able to do that is because Freddie Gonzalez is a minority. We didn't have to go through a farcical, I don't think that's a word. Is farcical a word, Coca? Interview process. And we were able to fire and hire immediately. When you do an in-season hiring and firing, we've done that. Jack McKeon comes in after manage, Brandon Hyde manages for a day after firing Edwin Rodriguez. We knew we were going to fire Edwin and we knew we were going to hire Jack. We had to get permission from baseball. We were only naming him interim, so we got permission on the assumption we would do a full search the next year, which we knew we were going to do. Not because we were going to bring in Ozzy. But in any case, mid-season season switches firing Felipe Alou and bringing in Jeff Torborg. You know what you're going to do before you do it. The Minnesota Timberwolves fired Flip Sanders' son yesterday. Flip Sanders, one of the great coaches in Minnesota history, like a legend in Minnesota. They had his son as coach, two seasons, not successful, not like D'Angelo Russell or... Uh, cat ever played together this year maybe they played together for a game or two the worst record in the league i think we've won a few picks of the day against them no big deal fire in the middle of the season you're not making the playoffs start developing your younger players with a new voice do interim do whatever you want great no problem do it do it do it do it wait a minute something happened that struck my attention they're signing a multi-year deal with chris finch now huh Chris Finch is an assistant coach right now for another team. The GM of the Timberwolves, Gerson Rosas, has a relationship with Chris Finch. But we're to believe that never spoke to him while Flip Sanders, Saunders was still a coach. No. The deal with Finch to become their long-term coach was made while F Saunders was coaching the Timberwolves. It's not supposed to be that way. Do you know this is the first time since 2009 that an assistant coach from another team has left that team in the middle of the season to go be the head coach of another team? And I now know. <laughs> Coke, I got it. My brain is funny. Not enough sleep. Too much going on. Lionel Hollins 
went to coach the Vancouver Grizzlies in the middle of the season in 2009. And that was the last time an assistant coach from another team went to become a head coach in the middle of the season. Chris Finch is doing it first time in 12 years. What's the issue I have? None. If you know who you want as an owner, you call up Adam Silver or Rob Manford, you do whatever you have to do, and you say, I'm making a coaching change. I'm not waiting for the end of the season. I'm not waiting for someone else to hire my guy. I want my guy. You want to find me, find me. You don't want to find me, don't find me. But I'm not doing a bogus search at the end of the season. I'm not going to waste the last few months of this season. That's the position that teams take with commissioner's offices. That's the position teams have regarding the Rooney rule or the Selig rule. That's the reality of the situation. And there's nothing wrong with it if there's honesty. It'll be interesting when the Timberwolves announce Chris Finch. It'll be interesting if the media asks the question. And when they ask it, it'll be interesting to see what the answer is. When you've got a team to run, when you know that the coach you want is not in your organization and you have a chance to get him, her, or them, you don't wait. And the reason you don't wait is because it's so hard to get it right. And if you think you have it right, you do it. Running a team requires the knowledge that we give you here on Nothing Personal. It's just business. Sorry to the Saunders family. This was nothing personal. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.